Hello and welcome to the London School of Theology podcast. You are listening to our weekly chapel service. In this week's episode, we have a guest speaker. London School of Theology. Forming disciples. Resourcing churches. Impacting society. This was the oath God swore to our father Abraham to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. That is Zechariah's song or part of it in Luke, run, Luke 1. I'm sure those words have been said in this chapel uh, over the decades. Uh, what a joy, as you said, to worship with our family this morning. What a joy it is to be able to study this holy book with you, to have fellowship with you, to do theology with you. If you had your freedom to be here today, taken away from you, how would you be when that freedom was given back to you? Would you be more zealous? What a great word that is. Would you be more zealous for the Lord? Would you be more on fire? Would you be more passionate? Would you be more willing to sacrifice and die to self so that Christ could be more in you, shine out from you? Would you? I'm quite Pentecostal when I preach. I'm actually an Anglican vicar. I was a pastor in the States. I planted a church in America. But I'm quite happy for you to talk to me. Would you, be, would you be more zealous if your freedom was given back to you? Or would you... Thank you, sir. Or would you be lukewarm? And you only have to read to the end of Revelation to find out what Jesus is going to do to his lukewarm church. Now, the thing is, if I cast my mind back, you guys are younger than me, but my mind tells me that my friends who were pastoring churches here in the UK a few years ago, in fact, didn't have the freedom to worship in person. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Just a short while ago, when you were all told, stop your house meetings, stop your prayer meetings, close your chapels, close your churches. In fact, religious leaders were not allowed by law to enter into places of worship. Mm-hmm. It happened here. Now, for us, it was a public health crisis. For our brothers and sisters, it's actually persecution for their faith. Amen. Thank you. What does it mean? Or have you, what does it mean to return from that prison? Zealous and passionate, on fire for the Lord. You know, your generation, I see a generation rising up to take their place. You know what is happening right now around campuses across the states. Has it come to England? Is the Lord doing a new thing in England? Is he doing it with you and your generation right now? That's what my generation is praying for. That you will rise up and take your place. Well, the first time in church history that the doors had closed here in the UK. That's quite something, isn't it? Freedom restricted. And just for a moment... That's what it's like to live under persecution, to not be free to worship God in the way in which we've become accustomed. I have a short video of Maria, which I'd love to show. Maria is a 20-year-old woman from Iraq. Uh, She's an activist, or she was an activist, outspoken on social media about equality and rights. She's come to faith in Jesus, but she's from a Muslim background. She uploads a a short 20-second video to TikTok, singing praise to Jesus. Could we just have that video? For uploading that video, thank you. For uploading that video, for coming to faith in Jesus and sharing that 
on social media. Her uncle ordered her brother to kill her. And she was murdered because he's under a certain age. He cannot be prosecuted or arrested. Many Christians today will give up their life to follow Jesus. Many Christians today will not be able to do what we are doing here freely. More than at any point in recent history. What can we learn from the authority of Scripture? I know that you're studying this and seeing uh, Scripture and how that speaks into your worldview. I know that's a part of what you do here. What can we learn from that? And so let's just quickly look. I saw many of you opening up your Bibles. Verse 1, as we journey together into God's Word, discover what it's like through the lens of persecution for the early church. And when I came to work with Open Doors a year ago, I realized how much of the New Testament is written from persecution or to persecution. It is our story. The world will hate you if you stand for Jesus. And that's okay. Because he will never forsake you. He will never leave you. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, um, Philippi, first place in Europe to hear the gospel. I always, I did, I've asked my friends to pray for me because I was suddenly aware that as I exegete a passage of New Testament, um, there might be one or two New Testament scholars in the room. Could you put your hands up? Are you in the room? Then I, I, okay, yeah. So I hope I get this right because, you know, false theology and all that, that's not good. Uh, has anyone been to Philippi? Has anyone been to Ephesus? The letter's written by Paul in response to this generous financial gift that he's got. He's received that in jail in Ephesus, sent by one of the congregation members of the church in Philippi. Someone from Greece ran all the way to Turkey to give this gift. Isn't that amazing? So that Paul can continue a round-the-world salvation journey that he is on. It's about 500 miles I've worked out here to Edinburgh. What if King Charles, I know many of you are not from this country and so the king doesn't have much realm here, but what if King Charles asked those of you that are from the UK or Ireland to go on a journey and deliver a message to the Scots, would you go? Yeah. <laughs> How about the Scots in the front row? Um, what if the King of Kings, what if the Lord of Lords called you by name? Would you go? Would you say, here am I, Lord, send me? That's why you're here. Maybe not the teachers. But that's why you young people are here to study theology, to understand what it means to carry the word, the authority of scripture with you, to go out and make disciples, to form disciples, to resource churches, to impact society. Did I learn that right, Mark? Good. <laughs> that's why you're here that's why Open Doors started have you read this book yeah. now I know that at Bible College you have a lot of reading to do for essays I sympathise I've been there mm -hmm. I had a book list as long as my arm when I left of things I wanted to read in depth because mm -hmm. you only get a chapter or two to write for your essay read this book mm -hmm. you can sign up online at Open Doors and they will send you one of these books you're going to sign up. We'll send you stuff to pray for our persecuted family. That's important. But you'll also get a copy of this book. Brother Andrew heard that call from God to go behind the Iron Curtain to take the good news of Jesus to people that desperately needed to hear that and be able to be free to respond. But that um, should definitely be on the, the reading. I'll leave a couple of copies here. You can add them to the library as well. 
Imagine what, your con- what the consequences of you saying yes to God would be today. And I don't know if you've got one of those newfangled Bibles, but he is actually talking to all God's holy people in the church. The overseers, the deacons, but it's everyone. It's not those of us that enter into professional Christianity or those of us that are called to teach in theological institutions. It is every single one of us in this room that this passage is talking to. And I don't have enough time to go into it all, but please, in your own time, think about what it means in the rest of this passage, what it means to your personal life, what it means to your calling to go and make disciples. Why don't you go along on Thursday to your vocations? Mm. Evening. Find out what God's calling you to. Okay, last bit for me. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership. That's what we're called into. Partnership. We partner. I'm partnering with you. Your lecturers are partnering with you. The trustees are partnering with you. We're all partnering together with the wider body of Christ. We're called into partnership in the gospel. And I wonder if there's anything stopping you today. What is it that stops you from being that radical disciple? Let's reclaim that word for Jesus. What does it mean to be a radical disciple? Because Jesus was a radical, right? That's one of those questions. Jesus was a radical, right? So do you look radical right now? Do you look radical to, to the other, to the rest of the student body here or, or to the teaching staff, the admin staff? Does your life look radical? Does it look radical to the people that are around you in your church where you serve on Sundays and wherever else during the week? Does it look radical to the people of Norfolk? So good to hear that you were out on the streets yesterday sharing the good news to a world so desperate to find it. If we're meant to be like him, to do what he did, ask yourself what is stopping you. And I, I know actually that your uh, chair of trustees has a real gift in prayer ministry. Is that right, sir? Yeah. I participated. <laughs> and so if you need prayer ministry, I, like I would always want to offer... We worship together, we enter into God's presence, we give glory to his name, we study the word, we worship more, and then we respond. And God wants to do a work in our hearts today. The Holy Spirit wants to do a work in your hearts today. And so if there is something stopping you, do not allow it any more ground than today. Receive, you got some prayer? You got some people who will pray? We can pray. Yeah, after this service, we would love to pray for you. We'd love to pray for you. Don't let it have any more ground in your life. The truth will set you free. Okay. Is that one of the shortest preachers you've ever had? Uh, I'm going to eat into your time now, Sabrina. Is that okay? This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best, pure, blameless for the day of Christ. You know, there's a lot of bad things happening in our world. There's a lot of leaders in our world making bad choices. Continue to pray for them, pray for our country. We make a lot of bad choices. Much of what you see around you, you know is not God's plan. But we are not called to complain about that. We're not called to gossip about that. We're not called to complain about our government or the state of marriage or the state of parenting 
or to complain about our neighbour or our town or our church or even the canteen food here. You are called, we are called into partnership with God to transform them. My nan used to say the world was a dark place. Do you think the world is a dark place? I have to come out of the light a little bit so I can see your faces, beautiful people. Do you think the world is a dark place? Then what are you going to do about it? What is your part to play in partnership in the gospel with Jesus Christ, the Father, the Holy Spirit? What is your part to play in transforming, impacting society? There's a, a young man called Wang Mingdao, sentenced to 22 years in prison in China. He's told he could go free if he just signed a warrant to say he did not believe in Jesus. And he signed that and he stepped away from the prison. And he realized after a few yards he'd made this terrible mistake. So he walks back to prison, tells him to rip up the confession, take him back in. He spends the next few years in solitary confinement for his faith. And he said, when I was put in jail, I was devastated because I was an evangelist. But what he realized was that in the corner of his prison cell, the pit, toilet, uh, he could hear voices, which meant that the cells were connected via the pit toilet. And his prison cell became his pulpit. The sewage pipes became his megaphone. When he came out of solitary after seven years, he discovered that 96 fellow prisoners had come to faith. Wow. Isn't that incredible? No, no Bible, no pulpit, no audience, no pen, no paper. I could do nothing, nothing except to get to know God for 20 years, the greatest relationship I've ever had. When I was in the cell, the only thing I was focused on was getting to know Jesus. It was only me and him in that cell. And he said this, and it's absolute gold. And if it's the only thing that you remember me saying today, this is it. You need to build yourself a cell where it's only you and Jesus. When you think about the persecuted church and what they face, you have the freedom to build yourself a cell where it's just you and Jesus. What do your daily practices, what does your daily walk with Jesus look like? Because it's only going to be when you receive God's love in its fullest that you are able to go out and form disciples and resource churches and impact nations, society. Build yourself a cell. Thank you for that encouragement. I love it when people smile at me. <laughs> Build yourself a cell where it's just you and Jesus and that's the end of my message. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the London School of Theology podcast. To find out more about LSD and our courses, please visit our website.